Namaste to all of you. I would like to begin with a Bengali chant. Moglodje mormona bramora Shama podda nil komole Moglodje mormona bramora Shama podda nil komole Kali podda nil komole Engrossed is the bee of my mind On the blue lotus feet of my divine mother Engrossed is the bee of my mind On the blue lotus feet of my divine mother Divine mother, my divine mother Divine Mother, my Divine Mother. Divine Mother, my Divine Mother. Divine Mother, my Divine Mother. I worship the Divine Mother in all of you. What is Divine Mother? Is she got a form like a human woman? No. There's that beautiful part in that same chant that I was singing, that song of Ram Prashad. He was a great Kali Bhakta in Bengal in the 18th century. In that same song, uh, he's saying, Ore Shatto 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 Ved Tara Amar Nirakara Tara is Nirakara, Tara, God, is without any form. He worshipped him, her as Kali, as Tara, as all. Uh, right now, as I do this recording, it's doing good, good Durga Puja, but it's all the Divine Mother really hasn't a form. As you look at all the countryside, it's all God. It's, uh, Divine Mother is shining everywhere. Divine Mother is everywhere. So when you worship God in everyone, everything, don't think she only has a, a form. There's a lovely little story that my guru's brother told me, no, I'm sorry, it's a story that his, his brother told me. Sananda Ghosh told me, Paramahansa used as a, as a boy to worship images of the Divine Mother Kali with great devotion. After our mother died, however, I never saw him do so again. I think grief must have driven his devotion inside. He sought the mother in ever deeper meditation. He said he wrote in a poem that I have the divine mother has suckled me through many breasts, and in this life it was myself. And it was the divine mother herself who came in that form to him. So remember, God is mother, mother is your own mother, and mother is without form and Mother is infinite. To worship God in a true way, it's limiting to think of a person. You have to see that form. This is in the story of Ramakrishna's life. Remember, he used to worship Kali in the Kalibari, the temple in Dakinishvar. And uh, Totapuri came to him and said that I, that you, I, must, I want to take you into true samadhi beyond form. And so Ramakrishna, beautiful little devotee as he was, came to the Divine Mother and 
the temple and said, Mother, shall I take this, this teaching? And uh, she said, yes, I brought him to you. And so with her permission, she went to Tathapuri. And the interesting thing was that uh, um, he would see, just before he'd enter into that samadhi, he would see the Divine Mother standing in his way. Finally, he had to take a sword and slash through that image that he so much adored and go beyond that into the infinite. And it was not lack of devotion to Kali. She herself wanted him to do that. She wanted him to understand that her image was just a little manifestation of the infinite one. The guru also, people get too attached to the form. That's why he has to go sooner or later. Because he is not that. After he left his body, all the nuns, the women disciples, were standing around his crypt, weeping. And one of them, who was a very close disciple of his, she said, I suddenly felt him standing beside me and I heard his voice saying, I'm not in there. He's not there. He's everywhere. Remember that. He's in the food that you eat. He's in the ground that you walk. The more you have that consciousness, the more you will feel that you are his bhakta in every moment of your life, that there is no thing that you can do that doesn't have beauty in it. And when you wash your body, think of it, this is Divine Mother in this form. Remember, the body itself will have to go. It wouldn't hurt even when you take your bath to think this very arm will be dust someday. That's not a depressing thought. If it is, you better face reality and realize that that's what it will be. Dust, ashes, what's the difference? You are that which goes beyond. You are that which survives all this and has come into so many bodies. I had a very interesting experience many years ago. I had never thought of writing music. It's a strange thing, but I'd always loved music. I loved to sing. As a young man, I used to walk through the streets singing at the top of my voice. Most people may have thought I was crazy, but I just had a lot of joy and energy in my heart, and I would sing these different songs that I knew, but I didn't know devotional songs. And um, after I met my guru, then I, I became enraptured by his songs. And when I came to India, I learned a lot of bhajans, and wherever I went in India, people would hear of me and bring out a harmonium and ask me to sing for them. And uh, so I sang, but I never thought of writing music. And um, one time I was in the Yosemite Park. That's one of those beautiful places in the world. And uh, I saw a couple of young men sitting on the railing of a bridge. And one of them had a guitar, and they were singing a little badly, I'm afraid, slightly out of tune. And anyway, I felt very much like singing, so I went to them. This was in 1964. I was, um, I was 38 by then. And, uh, but I still felt young as I feel now and, uh, because my mind is young. So I went to them. I said, I'm in the mood to sing. Would you like me to sing for you? And they said, yeah. I think they were probably just as relieved as could be to have somebody sing who could sing better than they were doing. I didn't know how to play the guitar and I thought, oh my God, what am I going to sing? I couldn't sing them a bhajan. I couldn't sing them one of my guru's songs and chants in English. I couldn't sing the usual 
I mean, what's the usual song about? I love you, you love me. Uh, that gets pretty dry after a while or drippy. And I, I'd studied classical singing. It was the same old story. Set in words that everybody says, oh, that's classical, but oh, cessate di piagarmi, oh, lasciatemi morir. Oh, stop bugging me and let me die, you might say, in a rather loose translation. But the whole thing is just, I couldn't sing that nonsense. It's just, these sentiments are, they're a little whisper, a little echo of what you really feel when we love people, when we fall in love with some man or woman or whatever, when we love our parents, it's all God in those forms, and we don't know it. And so we get disappointed. In one way or another, it's always a compromise. But what we really want is he. I couldn't sing that to these young men. They were teenagers. They were, how could I explain myself? So I tried to sing some American folk song that would somehow get across. So I sang, Swing low, sweet chariot, Come and for to carry me home. And they loved it. They said, you've got to come and sing for a party we're having tonight. So I went to this party and what did I sing? I mean, I've been working on the railroad or all these different songs. Drunk last night, drunk the night before. The sort of things you get shoved at you when you're in college. So I couldn't think of anything. And so I sang again, Swing Low Sweet Chariot. But they loved it. And I was driving home the next day and I was thinking in the car, it'd be such a wonderful way to share with people. I, uh, I could just visualize myself traveling around singing. And then I thought, well, what am I going to sing? These songs aren't what I, I wanted to sing from my heart. I had a singing teacher when I was in college. She told me she was an old woman, and she said to me, I'm living for only one thing, to see you become a great singer. And I thought, what am I going to sing if I sing? I don't want to show off my voice. I had just left her. I never went back. That may seem cruel, but I didn't want that. I wanted truth. But as I was driving down the road, I thought, well, maybe I could write my own songs. You know, all my life, these melodies had come through my mind, and I'd sort of let them go, thought, oh, that's very nice, and then forgotten about them. But uh, all of a sudden I thought this, maybe I could write my own. Just at that moment, suddenly this song came into my mind. I have a love who's far away, far away, far away. I have a love who's far away, farther away than the stars. And it goes on, and I'm going to sing it to you in a few minutes, so I won't sing it all right now. But it was a sweet song and precious to me, and I never, I never sang it. But it got me, you might say, launched on what might be called my singing career, in quotes. I stopped at a milkshake stand and wrote that song down, and fortunately I know music notation in the Western style, so I wrote five lines and wrote the melody and everything in there, and as it turned out, all divine play. My brother had enjoyed playing the guitar. He had a very expensive and good Martin guitar, which he had left at my parents' place. I was staying there at that time. And uh, so he gave it to me, and I went out and bought a book called the Pete Seeger 
guitar player's guide or folk singer's guide, one or the other, anyway, is to learn how to play the guitar. And uh, so I went out and started learning to different guitar chords and so on, because it, it's a very nice instrument to accompany your voice if you're singing. It's something you can carry around with you. You can't very well carry a piano, which I was used to. And uh, harmonium, I couldn't really see myself singing with a harmonium to uh, people in America, at least not bhajans, uh, at least only bhajans. And so I did this, and in that time I wrote several more songs, and I enjoyed them. I didn't know how good they were, but I liked them anyway. And I'd been, I'd written about five songs, I think, when it was only a month after I'd taken up the guitar, somebody asked me if I'd give a concert. So I said, well, okay. Uh, I, I knew it was pretty brash. You don't usually have a concert with a, a, an instrument you've just picked up a month before. But I figured that, well, I could always bluff it. I have a nice voice. I can tell good stories. I can also add a few Indian bhajans and so on. So I thought I won't make an absolute hash of it. So I spent the whole week just, I thought at least it would force me to practice the guitar. And boy, did I. All day long, every day for a week. Then I went to this hall. And there were 200 people there. The hall was completely full. And they had tried to create a mood by turning off all the lights. The only light in that room was on a candle on the altar behind me. And if there was one thing I needed, it was light to see my position and on the strings. Uh, oh, well, it's all a play. It's all a dream of Maya anyway, so let it happen. And uh, yes, it was a success. People loved it. Uh, I made quite a few mistakes. There was a man who came to me afterwards and said, well, you know, I'm a music major in college, and there were some pretty interesting chords you, you struck there. But it did get me launched, and it was, it was, it's been great fun. I've written over 400 pieces of music, many songs, and I came to realize that melodies do more than give words. They express a mood. They express a teaching. You can have a teaching expressed even without any words at all. And so I wrote many instrumentals, string quartets and so on. And uh, it was just a few years ago I decided suddenly one day I've said enough through music and since then I have not written at all. But it's all a gift, and I know it's a gift. They're not my songs. But I feel that God and Guru and Divine Mother have expressed these things through me. And again and again it has happened to me this way that I just ask, and suddenly it's there. And uh, I can't I can't call them mine. How can I call them mine when I, it just was given to me? It appeared. Sometimes it would appear in very strange ways, in completely unsuitable environment, but suddenly I'd feel this inspiration come over me. And I remember I was one night, this was not a song I wrote, but I was one night, I wanted to have some well-known singer sing one of my songs. And I was meditating and felt God's presence, Divine Mother's presence, very strongly. But this person was singing in a nightclub in the nightclub area district of San Francisco, which is a pretty worldly environment. As I was walking down the street where he was, I could feel these tentacles of energy come in, come in. And... Uh, it just didn't touch me because I was just so full of the joy inside and I was 
under my breath I was singing Sri Ram Jai Ram Jai Jai Ram Sri Ram Jai Ram Jai Jai Ram and everything just like water off a duck's back nothing touched me but when you sing to God you can go anywhere don't go in places to test it but if you have to you will find that he can be with you and just protect you. Let him be your wall of protection. Well, this song has always been, it's the first song I ever wrote, at least in this music writing phase. I, <laughs> when I was a little child of six, I had a dream of a song. That doesn't quite count in this phase. As I was six years old, I saw these little ducks lined up in sailor suits coming up to my, our front porch singing, It's time to go to school. It's time to go to school. It's time to go right now. Well, I still remember that melody. And it was a pleasant little children's song. As I said, I was six years old. But this song somehow has always been very special to me. God seems farther away than the stars. He is farther away, and yet he's as near as your nearest breath. The Divine Mother thinks through your thoughts and feels through your feelings. The Divine Mother became you. So listen to this song, Farther Away Than the Stars, Your Dear. I have a love who's far away, far away, far I have a love who's far away, farther away than the stars. Mother, you've stolen my heart away, heart away, heart away. Mother, You've stolen my heart away, farther away than the stars. Keep me not bound here, teach me to fly far from earth's madness, free ere I die. Keep me not bound, Ma, teach me to fly farther away than the stars. There's nothing here nearly so dear, nearly so dear. Nearly so dear Mother, I know Your love's ever near Though farther away Than the stars 